1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? So the NBA trade deadline is but a few days away, and the ball has definitely started to roll in a big way. Before you listen to this episode, make sure to also check out the episode prior to this one, which we just released over the weekend, where we had on NBA reporter Michael A. Scotto to give us the lowdown on the NBA trade landscape and the Lakers' prospects within all of that. In fact, in that podcast episode alone, Michael already nailed two things that just transpired over the weekend. One, he called the Karis Levert trade, and two, he had Robert Covington's value set at about two second rounders, which is essentially what he ended up going for in the overall Norman Powell package deal. So yeah, there are a ton more insightful insider tidbits like those in that episode, so if you haven't already done so, make sure to listen to episode 399 Former's Market with Hoops Hypes, Michael A. Scotto. Now, in this episode, please enjoy Tommy and I's final thoughts on the NBA trade deadline and how we would attack making moves on the margins if we were Rob Palenka. Folks, this also just so happens to be our 400th episode, And with the extra trade deadline content we've been pumping out and lobbing your way, we'd very much appreciate it if you could please throw us a five-star rating or review on the Apple Podcast app. Doing that alone goes a long way in letting us know you're listening, and it also helps ensure that we continue to keep this show as consistent and relevant as possible. All right. with that said, please enjoy our penultimate NBA trade deadline episode right before the Lakers' big splash huge quotation marks on big splash anyways thanks for your support and now on with the showtime All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where when plans A and B both don't work, be like the Lakers and move on to plan A-B. Sorry, I mean A-D. Although if you ask Frank Vogel, it is indeed all about plan A-B. And I'm talking about Avery Bradley. And because of that, this season has been ab Hey. Okay. Uh I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co host Tommy Alexander, who's trying to find a better plan than a plan A B for the Lakers as we race towards the trade deadline in a couple of days. Tommy, do you have you found a good plan yet?
0: Um no.
1: Oh, you don't have a better plan than plan A B really?
0: Um we're screwed, Jonathan. <laughs>
1: All right, well, starting off on the right foot for this episode, it'll be our penultimate trade deadline episode heading into the trade deadline. Uh, Tommy, I wanted to open this up first to you and take it a little bit more seriously and ask you, do you have any updated thoughts on the Lakers and how they should approach the trade deadline now? I don't know. Are you still hoping for a big trade or are we are we still in the mindset of yeah. just because of default, the only things we can do is marginal moves, but that could still help us be competitive?
0: Yeah, no, I I got you. So I think I was already kind of headed down this path, even without the LeBron James knee stuff. I was already sort of mentally heading down this path. I don't think that we should make any win-now moves, but I think you can make moves that some might classify as win-now moves that still help you next year. You know what I mean? So it... I guess a good example and one that you've used frequently on the podcast, so I'll, I'll borrow it. THT for Robert Covington is purely a win now move that doesn't yeah. do anything for you. Like even next year, potentially. Right. But THT for like a veteran who is maybe doesn't have the upside of THT, but can give you a really solid output for the next two seasons. Cause you know that you have LeBron next season, you know, you have AD for two more seasons. Like that's kind of your window. Um, would I do something like that? Like, yeah, probably. So, it. I, I guess what I'm saying is, I wouldn't go all in to try to make something work this season. I would hold on to that 2027 first rounder very aggressively. Um, and I just think you kind of make moves around the fringes. I mean, just looking at this roster, dude, there's like five guys. We're not even at the point, right? We we we've been complaining about health all year, okay? But it's not just health with this team. We don't we have guys that are literally unplayable. I mean, we can't yeah. play Trevor Ariza. We can't really play. We certainly cannot play DeAndre Jordan. You know what I mean? There, we do not play Wayne Ellington and Ken Bazemore. So we rarely play Dwight Howard nowadays. So it's just like, we have so many guys we don't utilize and they need to, we need bodies on this team. We need like warm bodies who can do something productive. And I think there are moves that you can make on the fringes to sort of help with that. And I just, you know, I, I don't know. It starts with dumping DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> okay. God, I mean, it, it
1: It started with doing those things back in November. And the fact that we're still here in this same position, talking about the same Jared Dudley type players, and what's funny is we have multiple Jared Dudleys on this team, and we have some Jared Dudleys who are getting 22-plus minutes and actually playing, right. i.e. Avery Bradley. And you're just confounded and confused by what what's the plan here and what are we even trying to do with these guys because I guess we're penny-pinching and we can't even cut these guys out right because, I don't know. I guess we're still trying to work the, work the phones and see if we can package two-for-one deals, whatever. I guess it makes sense to do that and do your due diligence. But, man, it's just like these guys should have been cut a long time ago in favor of more Stanley Johnson trial outs, you know, before we even hit the trade deadline, right? But regardless, before I get into some additional names, we've done this over and over again, I'm so tired, but my main question to you right now is... Let's talk about Russell Westbrook trades. <laughs> so, um,
0: should be in bad. your
1: opinion, I'm going to put you to the fire here, dude. You're going to be on record saying this, but don't be afraid. Don't worry. Right. Uh, what do you think we should do here if you had the possibility of trading Russell Westbrook, but it cost the 2027 first, in what scenarios would you include that first to, I guess sort of dump Russell Westbrook. I think we're all under the same agreement here that trading Russell Westbrook this season doesn't really fix anything for this season, yeah. but it may get the process underway for setting the foundation for the offseason into next season and not going into the offseason muddled again and wondering whether or not this big 3 thing will work. So, I I don't I also don't think that we would be mad if Russell Westbrook Remain on this team, obviously, because that's the status quo and there's not a lot we can do to move him anyways. But when we open our minds and perspectives to, well, what if we did trade him? What routes and scenarios would you make that sort of move? Under what conditions would you do that in, I guess? And are you, even personally for yourself, are you leaning towards, hey, if we can sort of... While understanding that, you know, le- Russell Westbrook hasn't had time with LeBron James and Anthony Davis when healthy, yada, 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 yada. While understanding all of that, even for you, are you ready to sort of pull the plug on the experiment and scour le- the league for any sort of trades where you can kind of hit a reset somewhat?
0: So I'm definitely ready to pull the plug, okay? but <gasps> You're on
1: record saying this. Do you know this? You're going to be retweeted. Yeah, no, I'm just I,
0: I got you. No, I'm definitely ready to pull it. But there, I mean, there are caveats attached to this, okay? Mm-hmm. So... Russell Westbrook, I think you can dump him for a 20, the 20, uh, I keep calling it 2017, but the 2027 first rounder that we have, you can dump him for that, I think, this year or certainly this summer. That's always going to be an option. So to me, for purposes of this season, I'm not moving Russ with the 2027 first rounder unless you were getting real players back I'm not talking no Derek favors or you know somebody of that caliber mm-hmm. like not salary dump dump guy ty- uh, d- salary dump type guys if you were getting real NBA starters back who or even bench players rotation players back who you can use for the next two seasons maybe I include the pick the reason I think it's interesting to not include the pick right is because this summer you have I think, a lot more options with him. I think he's probably going to opt in, but now he's an expiring contract, which you can move, okay? And if you're not able to move it, your 2027 first-rounder is still on the table. And if you end up trading him for, like, nothing during a time where teams have cap space and can absorb his basically his entire contract into nothing, you're not left with that many contracts left on this roster. I mean, you could go out and sign the, like, serious player i'm not saying like this is this is me starting my james harden conspiracy about how (laughs) we're gonna sign him as a free agent right but like you have you can potentially use westbrook um maybe maybe it would be easier to move off westbrook at some point than it would be to move off a host of you know kind of middling players who have longer contracts so we end up taking right now because we pulled the cord too early, right? So mm-hmm. I guess my point is it's not the end of the world to just keep Westbrook because I don't think opt- him opting in is that insurmountable of an obstacle. You know, he's still playing. He's not like John Wall or something like that. So it it's something that we can move past. And I think you can, um, you can sort of see the paths the Lakers take with cap space this summer, even if Westbrook opts in. Uh, and they can use maybe the pick to get out of him if if absolutely necessary or if not necessary, maybe he ends up being used in like other trades I don't know it's so that's why it's like i would i'm definitely ready to pull the cord now, but it has to be for like a deal that we're probably not gonna get you know so right, that, right. that's that's kind of where my head is at,
1: so I am actually ready to pull the cord even for a semi dump. I think that's where <laughs> that's where both of us differ, and yeah. so that proposed deal for what twenty or us sending the 2027 first over to Oklahoma City. I know this is blasphemous. I know we're only gonna get uh, Derek Favors. Maybe we asked for Kenrich Williams back. Everybody's been on the like, get Kenrich Williams bandwagon, but considering that OKC seems to want a first rounder for that dude, what the hell? Uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. But let's say we do this for Derek Favors. The one reason why I think I would do that is. It's kind of like clean slate for everybody, and I actually wouldn't feel bad about sending Russell Westbrook to OKC. You know, uh, he gets to technically come home, hashtag unfinished business uh, in a different way. Um, and Shea Gilgis is shut down till the end of the All Star break, anyways. They may do exactly what they did last year and shut him down for the rest of the season. And for the Oklahoma City fan base, why not have this weird sort of Russell Westbrook reunion to close the season out? Get the get the stands packed. Um, and have a good old time at, to close that season. So in that perspective, I'm not even, like from a personal standpoint for for Russ, I feel like that would actually be like good for him, even though I know he loves being in LA with his kids and everything like that. But even taking that side out of it, I think just clearing the deck here and being able to sort of start the pr- process of what we want to do in the offseason. And, you know, getting Derek Favors is not, completely nothing it's like a big body who rebounds the ball which is actually something that we've needed he's not exactly like the tweener big that we've been asking for or like the marquise morris type but he's sure better and more consistent than dwight howard maybe you know and at the very least you have that two-headed monster to go to in different situations if one or the other isn't working out and at the very least in lebron james stead if this knee thing continues to linger it's like you have somebody who can help Down low, help AD down low, muck it up, rough up other bigs, you know, absorb some body blows, get some fouls on people. Derek Favors is I think only 30 years old, so he's not that washed up, but I think that's I think even for a deal like that, I would pull the trigger. Maybe with like a you know lotto protection on that 2027 first. Uh, I don't I don't know what stipulations OKC would need to take Russ. They maybe like no, it has to be unprotected 2027 first. But for me, I'm kind of ready to, yeah, start the process now.
0: I hear you, and I just think it's it's a sort of projection of everything that's happened this season. It's just cathartic to just like Pro- cut probably. the board, yeah. you know what I mean, and get rid of it. But I really genuinely think that there will be options with Russ. You're right, yeah. Like, I think the option to just do a straight dump for a 2027 first will always be there. OKC took Kemba Walker. OK, like, let's say we do it this offseason. Russ will have one year, 47 million. And you know this guy, he's very familiar with your organization. Kemba Walker had, like, 58 million, like, two years left, like, 55 million, something like that, two years left, and they took that for one first-rounder. And it was, like, in the 20s. It was, like, Boston's first-rounder last year, right? So, OKC will wait, wait, do that. and they
1: and they gave up Al Horford too, right? Oh, that's true. That's true. So it wasn't, day, it wasn't right?
0: a pure dump. You're right. Um, but you know they did that for the one pick. I think they would do it for Russ. You know, I think we'll be able to move off him, and I think the straight dump will always be an option. I, you know, the thing about LeBron AD. So if we dump Russ and we go into the off season <clears throat> with only LeBron AD and THT signed again as just the same as last year, we'll have like twenty million dollars of cap space. If we move THT, um, you know, which could be part of their calculus this year, right? You move THT for an expiring win-now player with the idea that you might move Westbrook if things don't really turn around this year. You go into the offseason with only LeBron and AD, you have like $30 million of cap space um, or more, right? So um, it's going to be kind of interesting for me to see what they what they do and how they approach it but I guess yeah the point is I I probably wouldn't do the dump of Russ for nothing because I think you can always do that
1: yeah thanks for pulling me back emotionally I guess that <laughs> that makes more logical sense and uh yeah it would be a shocker if they traded Russ this trade deadline but I guess you can never rule anything out but With that said, let's take it to break. When we return, we'll just close this episode out talking about some specific names again of, you know, let's say the Lakers want to trade for veteran bigs, which is, I don't think, a direction they should be going in, but here's a list of those guys. If the Lakers don't choose to go for veteran guys and go for more Stanley Johnson-esque young players, here's a list of these guys, et cetera, et cetera, as we round you guys round the corner into the trade deadline. So we will catch you guys after the turn. All right, so we're back. Uh, Tommy, let's say the Lakers still marginally want to try and compete, which I think is the direction they're going to go. Um, Obviously, we need a wing. We need a tweener big. That's what we've been saying for the last three months. Let's say that for whatever reason, they don't learn from their mistakes this, this entire year and are like, we still need veteran guys. So out of this list of veteran bigs who could help stem the tide of Dwight Howard's I don't. I honestly don't know if Dwight Howard is washed up or Frank Vogel is just not utilizing him correctly. It's probably a little bit, a little bit of both. But again, we just need another guy who can help us rebound. So thoughts on these lists of veteran bigs, so guys who are at least thirty years old. Maybe some of some of these guys are like twenty nine. But Ken Birch, Toronto Raptors. Tristan Thompson. Sacramento Kings, Gorgi Dang, Atlanta Hawks. This guy isn't even playing any minutes at all because uh, Onyeka, Kongwu and Clint Capella are soaking up all the big man minutes. Thaddeus Young, popular name, obviously, San Antonio Spurs. Daniel Tice, Houston Rockets. He's not, he hasn't played at all this season. Like, that's a guy who for sure will be on a playoff team, I feel like. But as far as the Lakers are concerned, probably going to require Kendrick Nunn to even start the salary matching purposes. Daniel Tice, Derek Favors, same thing, will likely require Kendrick Nunn any of those names intrigue you
0: whatsoever? Uh, you mean like as a trade or like as a potential buyout target?
1: I think you got to trade for these guys because you made up good points last time in terms of like a lot more teams are going to try-, try and stay competitive. A lot of teams know that. And so a lot of teams are going to want actual compensation before they willy-nilly pull the plug on guys and just let them pick their own team, I feel like. So let's say yeah, you had fair. to give up a second or even none or whatever.
0: Um... None of those names honestly really stand out to me. I think the the ones that do are maybe like the Tristan Thompson end of the spectrum as like a half year or 30 game rental just to inject some energy on this team that like has no interest in mucking it up in the paint. You know what I mean? So they, I think that could just be like an interesting thing to see. Um, as a basketball fan, I would like to see it. But the guy makes like what, 9 million or 10 million this year. So yeah. You would have to trade like Kendrick Nunn and another player. It just like at that point, it's not worth it. So I would rather keep Kendrick Nunn under the theory that he is probably going to opt it back in at this point. Um, Cause I highly doubt a team is going to give him more than a raise on the mini MLE after a year that he like didn't play the entire season. But I, uh I don't think any of those in the trade I would pursue. I don't know if any stand out to you.
1: Yeah. So for me, I think on paper, Daniel Tice probably fits like, okay, this guy's seamless fit for still giving us spacing, still helping us kind of play small ball. Uh, he's a guy who's very physical, but can hit the three. He likes to rebound, muck it up. I feel like you could, he is like the Marquis Morris type, right? So on paper, Daniel Tice kind of fits for me. I just don't know if we'd want to give up Kendrick Nunn. I don't know if Houston would want Kendrick Nunn. You know, I feel like they could get better offers, but if we're just talking about in a vacuum, if you can get the perfect sort of player, marginal end sort of player, I guess Daniel Tice would fit that mold. And I'd also put, I guess, Thaddeus Young as a close second because he allows us to play micro ball and even fill in for LeBron James because that's exactly what he did on the Chicago Bulls when he was averaging nearly 4.55 assists for them. And um he hasn't played all season, so I'm sure he's rejuvenated and fresh. And this guy uh, gets a lot of steals. He can handle the ball. He can pass, he can rebound. So in terms of having like a poor, very poor man's version of Draymond Green, Thaddeus Young is not (laughs) a bad get, but again, it's like, will the Spurs deal with us. Will they get a better offer for him? Yada, yada. So, um, shifting now to veteran wings, guys, we've talked about, here's a list of those guys. And yeah. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> Am I not going to like it? <laughs> I mean, you are going to like it if we can get one of these. I just don't know what their price is. So, Torrey Craig. Uh, Torrey and unva- Craig. I mean, I think all Lakers fans at this point would say, if you can get that guy, for sure get him. I just don't know if we've reached the point, Tommy, where we have to trade THT to get Torrey Craig. You know, if this is value that low. Um, oh God. Torrey Craig, unvaxed Justin holiday. Jeremy Lamb, I feel like, could be easily had. I just don't know if we want to... Make nah, that move, but sucks. we have made those overtures before and have been interested in him. So I would True. not be
0: surprised. We only go after guys we were interested in four years ago. It,
1: it, seriously, <laughs> look, we're like four, we're always like four years too late, but we finally got him.
0: Okay, and then it
1: is Tory Craig, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb. Here's another guy who fits that category of finally got him. Mo Harkless, Garrett yeah. Temple. So these are older guys like near 30 years old but veterans because the lakers trust them and their veteran experience any of those guys interest you
0: tory and craig always interest me <laughs> <laughs> i feel like nobody understands why i say that to be honest i kind of forgot why i say that now because but...
1: you always confuse him with Torian and prince but it's tory craig, oh. tory and
0: craig. <laughs> but also i feel like when they say his name on tv they say tory and craig that's they all might. that's all i'm gonna say um he sort of stands out as somebody interesting if we can get him for the right price, because he is guaranteed next season and he's on a very reasonable deal. He feels a very obvious, you know, need on this team. I think his shooting is down a little bit this year. He's not a high volume three point shooter, but three years in a row, uh, granted low samples, or sorry, I guess last season, I, uh, he was on so many teams last season. I got confused, but last season he shot 37%. um, which is not bad. I mean, obviously pretty good. I mean, his career is 32, so maybe you just assume he's at that at that spot. But he hustles. He gets you rebounds. He plays defense. He's not afraid of taking on the big matchups, and he's 6 um and sturdy. So, like, I think he's a solid player. If you're telling me we can get him for, like, Kendrick Nunn and some second rounders or something, I would definitely do that. Um, yeah. But everybody else and this is crazy to say this, but everybody else on that list sort of feels like what it would feel like if like we were having these same conversations about Kent Bazemore last season. And like, we don't even play that dude, you know, like we have that guy that like for so many years we were like, Oh yeah, we would, a guy like Kent Bazemore could give us really good length on the, on the perimeter. He seems like we can get him for cheap. We should totally get him. We should totally get him. And he had that like pretty good season with the Warriors and he's on our team and he literally doesn't play. So it, it's just hard to say with some of these guys like Harkless and, and guys like that. Like, what are they really worth trading for if we don't know that they've even played on this team?
1: Yeah, I guess the only pushback I'll give I'll give to you is Mo Harkless at the very least is like six nine. So if we went that direction, I would at least say, well, we need a Trevor Ariza replacement anyways, and Mo Harkless could be what we thought we were hoping Ariza would be for us this year, not even a Kent Bazemore proxy simply because he's tall. But again, a lot of these names, Moharklitz included are, I agree with you, uninspiring. So to close this episode, and this is something that you've brought up in the past that we've brought up in the past and guys like Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson have kind of put into the forefront of our mind in terms of team building and something that I've been pushing for since this off season where instead of filling out the back end of our roster with Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan, Tommy, I was like, can we please get Isaiah Hardenstein and Stanley Johnson? And thank God we, Stanley fell into our laps like, you know, three months later. But if we had just filled the back end of our roster with healthy, young legs who could give energy and effort, we may be in a better position and have better cushion to kind of stem the tide here into the All-Star break. But all to say that, Tommy, I still think that there are young guys who are reclamation projects, maybe previous lotto picks from the last four or five years who are sitting out there, who I feel like could help this team not only now, but I kind of feel like we need to make that mental pivot too, Tommy, where we can't tank this year, right? Because we don't have a draft pick. But what we can do is start to trial out some youngish players who we maybe could keep in the offseason into next year, And start rebuilding, like, a young core that fits around Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, a THT, right?
0: And that's why it's been a little bit disappointing to see how, I'm going to say it, like, kind of lazy they've been about certain things. Because DeAndre Jordan could be moved now. And you ask, like, well, what, uh, you have to wait till the trade deadline to see. No, it's like, you could move him now because the roster spot is more valuable than DeAndre Jordan at this point. Like, we're in Mm -hmm. 10-day contract season, a lot of guys have signed off maybe the hardship contracts or the normal 10 day contracts, but like we could create a roster spot to use that to identify these guys. I mean, I think your point is like really valid that, at some level, you want to win the games now, but it, those two things are not necessarily exclusive. You know, you nope. could win games now, and yes, you, you could win games now by finding something that actually worked that was unexpected. You know, with one of these random ten-day guys, and then you have a Stanley Johnson situation where you can, you know, get them maybe on a two-year deal with a second-year team option.
1: The, um, the Miami Heat have essentially built an entire team philosophy on this with guys yes. like Max Struess and Gabe Vinson and whoever the hell they have on their roster that are just killing it. And you're like, were these guys even drafted? I don't even yeah, think so. So Exactly. Um, okay, so with regards to names, I'll start off with kind of like more of the... How do I want to do this? I'll start off with like the more washed up names that you're maybe familiar of because they're former lotto picks. Um, let me know if any of these guys interest you. Okay. Noah Vonley. Previously and famously better than Julius Randle, according to oh. me. <laughs> so, Noah Vonley, he's playing right now overseas in China. I have no idea if he has an opt out clause. The Lakers should find out if he does because he played pretty solidly for the Knicks like two years ago and then also played for the Brooklyn Nets last year as a fill in and is just a long ass dude with like a seven foot four wingspan or whatever, can rebound the ball. Noah Vonley. There's former number 16 pick of the Minnesota Timberwolves, I believe, Justin Patton, playing overseas in the Israeli Basketball League. That's more of like super dark horse, uh, galaxy brain type, but he does have really good size and can shoot the ball a little, and there's a reason why he was the number 16 pick. Harry Giles, already brought him up. Don't need to get into that. Um, There's also DJ Wilson. I think he was more... what, What pick was he? I don't think he was exactly a lotto pick of the books, but he was, I think number 17, so right outside of the lotto. Um, but DJ Wilson's currently killing it with the Oklahoma City Blue, the, the G League affiliate team. I think he had like 34 points, 13 rebounds his last game. But more important, importantly, he was also a call-up for the Toronto Raptors during health and safety protocol bonanza back in December and actually played really well for them. And most of all, just used his really good size and his length and his hands to deflect passes, take it out into transition, and overall, he's to me, he's just kind of an intriguing prospect because technically he can kind of do it all, sort of. He has 6'10 with a seven foot three wingspan, can kind of shoot from the outside a little bit, kind of has like a Thaddeus Young sort of makeup. But there again, there's a reason why once upon a time he was a number 17 pick. There's DJ Wilson. Um, there's Willie cauley Stein, 28 years old, not exactly young legs, but he was cut. I don't know what his personal reason situation is for missing half the season because of personal reasons so maybe there's nothing there um but again JaVale McGee-ish type the young version um then there's Jabari Parker uh I'm just putting his name in here I'm not saying I want any of these guys I'm putting his name in there um 26 years old athletic it's crazy that he's only 26 former lotto pick um there's Jabari Parker thon maker this is really funny to me thon maker's only 24 years old somehow we're not sure if that's actually true but thon maker's there
0: <laughs> better than ingram duh
1: better than ingram bro <laughs> um and then i don't know why we go after this guy but again i'm just throwing out like former semi-tantalizing picks um terence ferguson 23 years old he actually did play with russell westbrook i believe um in the oklahoma city he thunder did, yeah. used to it's be Ron like Levin this grand yeah, people were like, hey, this is the next Zach Levine, right? Wrong. But I mean, (laughs) maybe there's something there. Even in terms of, Tommy, here's this, get this, like, if we know we're not going to be able to retain Malik Monk, it's just like, hey, Terrence Ferguson, why don't you join our team and see if we can mold you into Malik Monk in the offseason and play for our G League affiliate a little bit. And, you know, granted, Mason Jones is killing it for the South Bay Lakers, so maybe they already have those plans in mind. But I'm just throwing these guys' names out there in terms of reclamation projects. So, Noah Vonley, Justin Patton, Harry Giles, DJ Wilson, Willie Cauley-Stein, Jabari Parker, Thon Maker, Terrence Ferguson. Do any of those names intrigue you at all? Or are you just like, hey, if they give a flyer to any of those names, I will not make any gripes because it means we're trying to find something. Yeah, I was just about
0: to say. Actually, they all appeal to me on a (laughs) 10-day contract if we... We're using our roster wisely and not wasting bench space on, you know, guys who have no chance of contributing on this team this year, let alone next year, you know? Okay. And those are all free agents that you can just sign out right. That's what I'm saying, dude. It's like, it's such a bummer. Like we're literally in 10 day contract season and especially heading into the deadline, having that roster space with a guy on a 10 day, it gives you an interesting look during the season, but like you can wave them in a second and you know, do whatever you need to do at the trade deadline uh, to make things work. So it's just, like, it's ultimate flexibility. And unless, like, we end up getting out of DeAndre without using a second-round pick, I just, I don't see what the reason is for, you know, doing it the way we've done it. And God help us if DeAndre's still on the team after the deadline.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, and out of those guys, I honestly, you may have heard it in my description of him, I would heavily take a chance on DJ Wilson. And I think the Raptors actually were hesitant to even let him loose. They were trying to fill like move roster spots in order to create a spot for him, but eventually they weren't able to do it and now he's playing in the OKC Blue G League team. But DJ Wilson is a guy who I absolutely take a chance on just as physical clay and see if you can mine something there. Um some really dark horses other dark horse options to Tommy are 23-year-old Tyler Bay. He was drafted in 2020 hey, bay, bay. by the Mavericks. Bay 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 yeah. 36 pick currently with the Rio Grande Vipers, but I remember coming into the draft, he was viewed as this, like, Brandon Clark-esque sort of player who can kind of do it all, was slight in frame, but was defensive-minded, could rebound the ball, take it into transition, was very athletic. And for me, it's just like, why don't we take more chances on those types of guys? Tyler Bay especially, because if his mold and prototype is a Brandon Clark-type player, that's the type of type of guy that we could actually use if we're trying to maintain this micro-ball identity, right? Um, another guy is Melvin Frazier, 25 years old, number 35th pick of the Orlando Magic, currently also plays for the OKC Blue. But what I remember out of him was, oh, this dude was like a wing prospect who we were also looking into during that draft. And as a team that's sort of starving for wings... To get a dude who has the wingspan that he has, I think it's like seven foot one or whatever, it might not be bad to just stack up on these dudes, whether it's to bring them into the South Bay Lakers or, again, to give them a 10 day, et cetera, et cetera. And then lastly, Cam, yeah, sorry, the last name I wanna throw in there is Cam Oliver, who already plays for the South Bay Lakers, who for me is like, he's throwing down these ridiculous athletic dunks and he's rebounding the ball. And he can shoot a little bit from the outside. He fills that Marquise Morris prototype. I know we've given our two-way players to maybe guys who maybe deserve it in Cam or Mason Jones, and I think Seku is the second guy. But I don't know. I feel like Cam Oliver. We could actually use what he does on the court right now. But uh, sorry, what were you, were you gonna say?
0: Well, all I was gonna say was. I think these are all very valid options and it's just disappointing to hear all of them and then think about the fact that like the Lakers have a two way contract guy. Okay. With all the injuries that we've had this season, every, all the, you know, weirdness and guys not being consistent and not showing effort, whatever, however you want to characterize it. We have a six, four guard two way player. And I'm going to caveat this by saying I've not seen this guy play once this entire season, (laughs) but In the G League, he is averaging 28 points a game, (laughs) 28, (laughs) nine, six and a half assists, shooting 52% and 37% from three. Yeah, That's pretty good, dude. And then like, we just do not give this guy a look and he just had like, I did see a tweet this morning that he had like a insane January, like if you look at his numbers, it was like absurd across the board. And we are so proud of our team that's twenty four and twenty-seven or whatever that we won't give this guy a look. Like so hearing all of these names is just sort of depressing because I mean I agree with you, we should be looking at other other things because clearly we, you know, people talk about how the Lakers have all these combinations. I'm like, yeah, but guess what? None of them work. Because okay? <laughs> yeah. if any of them worked, we would have kept the, going to those. Okay. The injuries is not all all of it. It's like we have guys now, except for, you know, we're missing one or two here and there. But we have guys that are, you know, available. And we just, yeah, we've cycled through a billion rotations because they all are terrible. So let's give a chance to another guy who might not be terrible and, and see if, if, if uh, something sticks.
1: Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I guess the devil's advocate point to that, though, Tommy, is that's what happens when you construct a roster with eight, six, five guards or under. True. So that even if you're in the position of like, this guy should get a chance, you're like default also in a position where it's like, how though? The simple answer would be stop playing Avery Bradley maybe, but it's like such bad construction from the beginning. It's like you have
0: this guy. And again, I know people are going to hear this and be like, oh my God, what do you expect from a two-way player, blah, blah, blah. I don't expect it a lot from a two-way player on, like, a normal team, okay? But, like, you know, this team needs all the help they can get. Every yeah. spot on this roster, including the two two-way spots, is extremely valuable. And the fact that we're just, like, using it as strictly minor leagues and we're, like, unwilling to even try to call this dude up and see what can he give you as we sort of decide what we're able to what we're willing to do with Wayne and with Avery and with mm-hmm. uh, Kent Baysmore and and those types of guys going into the trade deadline, maybe don't you think you might be a little bit more, you know, amenable to getting rid of some of those guys for next to nothing or, you know, like creating roster spots for other types of players. If you felt confident in your two-way guy, two week uh, two way guy who can play with you the rest of the season with the new rules. Right. So like it, It's just like, so it's, it's very frustrating. You triggered me a little bit with your list of uh, free agents. (laughs) There's, there's
1: there's options out there that we are not even surveying, you know, or even close to surveying. And that goes for, again, a guy like Cam Oliver at a position we actually need. Why not try him out? He still does the small ball thing you want to do and at the very least is an athletic as hell body who can jam it on people and, you know, serve up some dynamic energy at Staples Center that we desperately need. So all goes back to that. Last thing, Tommy, trading for youngish Flyers who aren't being used by their teams currently. So more Stanley Johnsons, but you can't just pick them up off the street, but you let's say. Trade a second round pick for them. Here's a list of guys. You tell me if any stand out to you. I'm sure you'll say anybody on this list, but here we go anyways, just to make you more depressed because there are other options of guys who fit the Stanley Johnson mold, who just need a better situation, currently aren't even in the rotation for their teams or currently close to being out of it that you could probably get for a second rounder. And I'd hope the Lakers would be exploring these things behind the scenes unbeknownst to us. But here we go. On the Charlotte Hornets, there's this dude named Jalen McDaniels. He's like 6'10", 6, 6'9". 6, He's the brother yeah. of Jaden McDaniels. I brought him up in the last episode to Allen. He would be a great project to take a flyer on. I don't know if Charlotte would actually be willing to trade him, but if there was any sort of conversations to be had, I hope the Lakers were monitoring that situation and telling them, we'll give you two seconds to get Jalen McDaniels just so that we could have like a Trevor Ariza type prospect to mold. Um, Jalen McDaniels on the Charlotte Hornets. Josh Akogi from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Again, I guess he's more of like a 6'4 guard again, but like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was supposed to be like a Marcus Smart-ish sort of player coming out of college. And so if you want to get somebody that you could maybe mold into a Marcus Smart defender, perimeter defender, and so that we don't have to keep playing, you know, geriatric Avery Bradley, but bring in the next iteration of him with younger legs, there's Josh Akogi. Uh, Tony Bradley on the Chicago Bulls. He is just, a backup center and big Dwight Howard played with him on the Philadelphia 76ers, but he's got good measurables, got good length in terms of a guy who just put in there, you know, will be a rim deterrent and get some rebounds. He doesn't move great. I'll tell you that right now. He's kind of slow footed, but he's just a young big, right? On the same team, Chicago Bulls, Troy Brown Jr. um, He was sort of like an Evan Turner-ish mold could kind of do everything. And right now, while Chicago is, dearth for any sort of wing perimeter defense they've actually been playing him and using him but if the Lakers could maybe take a shot at Troy Brown I wouldn't be mad at that as well Uh, I think he was a former number 15th pick of the Washington Wizards in the 2018 draft but that's a guy I would maybe look to take a chance on Um, Josh Jackson's in with the Detroit Pistons he's another former lotto guy Jarrett Culver on the Memphis Grizzlies I don't know what this guy has left in the tank. I just know we really liked him uh, coming out of the draft. We were very wrong about his superstar potential. But kind of like Stanley Johnson, you kind of make him hone in on just purely being a role player. And you're able to leverage his length, his like innate length. And maybe you got something there because he has innate playmaking capabilities. And he has fluid movement with the ball and finishing, etc., etc., Memphis does not have any use for this guy because Memphis has much bigger fish to fry unlike the Lakers because they're like top four in the West or whatever, top five. Um, If you can get Jarrett Culver to mold, that would be cool. Hamadou Diallo is also a name on the Detroit Pistons. Willie Hernan Gomez on the New Orleans Pelicans, I brought him up before. Utah Watanabe on the Raptors, brought him up before. Maybe even Svima Kailu, I think he's on the Raptors as well. Um, Pretty much essentially what the Spurs did, I think they traded for Juancho Hernan Gomez, and I presume that's because they want to take a flyer on him. I think the Lakers should even not only sign people outright, Tommy, but maybe even give up a second to take a flyer on a project that they're intrigued with, that they want to develop and see what they can do there. Um, Because likely, what are they going to do with those seconds anyways? They've been throwing them away left and right, so might as well trade for a guy who could have been a second-round pick who's a little bit more established and has that NBA experience. So I'll run through the list again. Jalen McDaniels, Josh Akogi, Tony Bradley, Troy Brown Jr., Jarrett Culver, Josh Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Willie Hernan Gomez. I don't think the New Orleans Pelicans would do it. This guy's been killing it in, ab- in uh, Jonas Valanciunas' absence, but he's there. Yuta Watanabe, Semi-Ojole on the Celtics. I, I think the Celtics are trying to tank too, so maybe they can get something. Um, then Maybe they can get Semi-Ojole. Svi Mikhailu, guys like that, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, guys like that, I agree with you. I, I mean, look, some of the guys on that list, like you said, are probably unlikely that we'd be able to get them. But, you know, when we say, like, we need to get rid of DeAndre, right? There's a couple ways this could happen. <laughs> yeah, I feel so bad we keep going back to this. <laughs> but it's true, okay? And my point is... Minimum players, I mean, you could still get something, right? Especially, and you would know from that list you just gave me, which one of these guys have sort of fallen out of their respective rotations, like fairly, you know, they've sort of solidified that they're out of there. Um, Rather than that team, you know, for a guy who's like, let's say on a minimum contract, trying to buy out that player to create the extra spot, you know, that team could save some money if we send them, for example, DeAndre Jordan, a second round pick and cash, right? Cause then it's like, they use the cash to buy out DeAndre. It's like net neutral for the team. And basically they got a second round pick for their young prospect who is out of the rotation. That's something that I think could be really interesting to sort of clean up the fringes of this team. Cause we do have mm-hmm. like five, I'm not saying you burn all of them obviously right now, but we do have like five second round picks. That is one asset that we kind of have, not an abundance of, but we have a good number of five, not this year, but five through the next, I think three drafts. Um, So that's pretty good. Um, And so I think you try to see if you could use maybe two, one or one of those, or maybe even two of those to, to uh exchange players instead of just doing a pure dump of, of a guy, I would be super, super open to it. You have to have hope then that like, whoever is running those types of decisions from a trade standpoint, like basketball ops, I guess, standpoint is in, you know, heavy and very thorough communication with the scouts because it seems like the scouts of the team have consistently produced. Um, and if the scouts have a guy like a Jarrett Culver Mm -hmm. or somebody like this, who's sort of floating around in the G league or at the end of a team's bench and isn't really getting a, a look, um, but that scout is pretty certain based on little glimmers they've seen. You know what I mean? Because they seem to be able to find a needle in a haystack, yeah. you know, this this scouting department. So if they see something, I defer to them. And I'd say, okay, fine, give them, you know, give up the second round pick. If you think it's worth the second round pick, you get a guy who's maybe more established. I mean, Culver is still a young player, but he's gonna help you this year and next year more than you know uh deandre jordan (laughs) yeah certainly deandre jordan but you know an actual second round pick potentially it's certainly worth rolling the dice on um and and so i think there are those opportunities but i'd be curious to see if they took that route
1: it's funny because this is not unique like this has actually happened before with our competitive teams tommy i.e didn't we trade for adam morrison and shannon brown like mid-season we traded vlad rad right like we we used to take Rad chances trade, like this
0: uh, yeah we used to take chances i mean the vladrad trade i can't remember if it was that was or it financially
1: else. motivated it was partially it financially motivated yeah. right but still but all I mean, that you're right. to say is you're getting chances. a you're getting a flyer like shannon brown I mean, everybody thought that trade was for adam morrison but shannon brown ended up helping you in the playoffs oh, that I mean, year
0: and we did the same thing the prior year with trevor reza right yeah, exactly. i mean it's like we had i think we traded uh, Brian Cook and, and Mo Evans. And Mo Evans. And by the way, we were like number 1 seed in the West. Those guys were actually playing. Like they weren't playing huge rotation minutes, but they were but they playing. They were in the rotation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we traded those guys for Trevor Ariza who had not he wasn't like,
1: playing. Yeah, he wasn't in even the rotation playing in
0: Orlando like had not shown any so that that's That's the, what I'm saying. Exactly, dude. So, you know, you, you need that kind of creativity. And you just don't know if this group has it. I mean, we know that it's buried somewhere in the scouting department and God help us if whoever is like running the show back there ends up, you know, getting poached by some other team. But you got to be working in close coordination with those guys to see what other sorts of moves like that can we make. Yeah. utilize that department
1: that's been saving your ass with guys like Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson. And it's Johnson. sort of like, it's Come funny. On.
0: It's funny because it's like kind of like the stock market. It's like, if you've identified, if like NBA Twitter has identified the guy, it's too late. You know what I mean? You're not going <laughs> to be able to get him. Like NBA Twitter fell in love with Kenrich Ken Rich Williams like two weeks ago. And now it's like, yeah, first round pick for him. <laughs> yeah, OKC's okay. so like, like, hey, I heard the yeah. Lakers... His value is just like skyrocketing through the roof, right? So you got to find somebody who's not at, you know, has not yet been identified as sort of floating around on the fringes like this and if you could steal him for a second round pick, that'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, we're not a popular enough podcast right now to be like in the mainstream for this to get out, you know, so use us as, you know, sort of a jumping off point. Uh, with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Next time we catch you, it will be the trade deadline. We will have some moves to report on and talk about. What moves we don't know, but I guess. <laughs> what if we're... we do nothing, dude? <laughs> I mean, that's like legit
0: possible, there.
1: It is legit possible, and we will talk for forty minutes to an hour about nothing. Um, so yeah, but hopefully some roster spots at the very least will be open. But we will see. With that said, we will catch you guys then, and Tommy, I will catch you later, hoping and praying that some moves are made and all these things are. All these guys are working behind the scenes to get us a. Get us a Yuta Watanabe. We'll see. Later. Peace. Peace.